Come on. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Amy Goyer. Amy, are you ready to do this? Yes, I am. Thanks for having me here. Oh, I'm excited to have you on. Amy is an author, a speaker, a consultant. She's an expert in aging and families, specializing in family caregiving. She's a national spokesperson for AARP regarding family issues. Excited to have you on. Amy, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, I have worked in the field of aging for more than 35 years, and at the same time, I've been a family caregiver that entire time. Really, I was uh, about 20 years old when my parents moved from Ohio to Phoenix, Arizona, and I was in college in Ohio, and my grandparents were all in Indiana. Now, I have three older sisters, but I was the one kind of working in this field, and uh, I eventually had a, a degree in music therapy, and I worked in Columbus, Ohio for many years in direct service and adult daycare services and, net, and uh, nursing facilities, and then I worked for the Ohio Department of Aging. And as that was all happening, my grandparents were aging, and my grandmother, my dad's, uh, was an only child, so his parents lived in South Bend, Indiana, which is pretty far, about six and a half hours from Columbus, Ohio, but way closer to me than to my parents who were in Arizona. My grandmother had Alzheimer's disease and my grandfather was 10 years older than she. And so over the years, I did a lot of helping them get local services and help in the home and started with Meals on Wheels and you know, you just slowly over time increase services. My mom's mom was a little bit less um, uh, need for me to do things because my mom had a brother and a sister and we had, I had many cousins there that helped her out, but I was for their respite. I'd come in for a weekend and spend time with my grandmother and take her grocery shopping and take her to church and do all of those things. So that was kind of my initiation. And then my mom had a stroke when she was just 63. So then that became another caregiving role and supporting my dad and taking care of her as well as just making, helping her get the right therapies and all of the support you know, over time and, um, and helping them. You know, my dad had a hip replacement, so I came out and telecommuted from Arizona for a long time. I had moved to Washington, D.C., and, you know, uh, long-distance caregiving is, is difficult wherever you are, but then it became even further, you know, to go to Arizona. Right. I, have to, I have to drive. I have to fly. Sure. You can't drive there. Well, I mean, you can, but it would take days. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so over the years, that um, helping my mom more and supporting my dad, and then my dad developed Alzheimer's disease. 
So in 2009, I quit my job, moved to Arizona to take care of my parents, became an independent consultant, um, and again, continued working with AARP. I had been a full-time employee. But my uh, sister back in Maryland was also very ill with Cushing disease, so I had a primary caregiver role for her, too, in terms of um, I was her power of attorney and everything, and my parents. And my parents eventually moved in with me in Arizona. My mom died in 2013 and my sister in 2014, and then my dad just passed away a year and a half ago. So I'm... um, I've, I've kind of experienced so many different perspectives of, of family caregiving and so many different roles that it, it really, it's kind of the perfect fusion of my work and my professional experience, uh, the work that I do now. Wow. That is a, no kidding. What a, what a fusion of, of, of your professional work and, 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 and your personal life. You've certainly been through a lot. Yes. Yeah, I have. Lots of ups and downs and, and a lot of losses, a lot of grief. Uh, we lost my niece actually to suicide the year before my mom died. So it's been um, a constant grief and loss are a big part of this caregiving journey. And, you know, I'm now, I I, uh, I just this weekend started trying to empty out my dad's bedroom and just go through his things and my my one sister who had who also moved out here to help take care of my dad um she and i got started you know and it's just one of those one step at a time things yeah the 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 old saying goes physician heal thyself how i mean do you feel like you're 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 you've you've handled these situations as as well as you could knowing what you 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 do or has 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 it been a benefit having to go through it knowing knowing what you know yes you know it's interesting i think i have you know kind of a, a leg up on a lot of people because of my professional experience and i'm a very strong advocate you know i never stop i keep trying to find solutions and i think that's served me and my loved ones well in this these situations, but no matter what, it's different when it's your family. It's mm-hmm. different when it's your own uh, situation. Everyone's relationships are different. So in, in a caregiving situation, maybe very different caring for your mother than your father or your sister than your parents or, you know, many people, I'm very lucky. I've had wonderful relationships with my loved ones, but many people have difficult relationships with those they're caring for. Um, people who are resistant and, um, you know, you might, you might have to, to ensure that they get care but not be comfortable providing the care. I, I did, you know, every hands-on bit of care, every personal need, you know, that my parents had. But people do a, a, such a wide variety of roles, and that's okay. You know, you, you know no two situations are exactly alike. I, 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 I can only imagine... Um, that's, so when you find yourself as someone who, who may be a caregiver, what, what is one of those first steps? Do you sort of look around and say, oh my gosh, this, this is going to be me potentially, or you are the person that says, I want to take on the responsibility of doing this and be the primary. How does that, how, how does that go? Well, for me, you know, it, 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 do, it seems like things just happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
either I'm the one that knows what to do, I'm the logical one, I'm the um, person who just steps in and takes charge. There are a lot of different reasons that people end up in a caregiving situation. You talk with a lot of families who have multiple siblings to take care of their parents and they coordinate and they take turns and then there are others who have um, who, who really don't have good participation from everyone in the family and sure. so it's it's kind of left to them and you know the other thing is, is as I mentioned my dad you know being an only child there aren't other other people when it comes to taking care of parents mm-hmm. so you know you have to look at that there are many many spouses who are caring for their loved ones and you know spouse spousal caregiving People tend to be a little more vulnerable, even um, when they're when caring for a spouse. And part of that is um, it they, it may be their age. They tend to be older. You know, it might be an 80 year old woman taking care of her 87 year old husband. And you know, as you're doing that, you're dealing with your own health issues as well, of course. So you know, it, it the situations vary so much. And um, you know, the truth is, I, I tell people feel good about making the choice to care because, you know, a lot of surveys will ask, did you have a choice in taking on this role? And I say we always have a choice. Everything we do is a choice. And having worked in this field for so long, I've seen thousands of people. I mean, there are so many people out there who have no one looking after them. And it's not because they don't have family. It's for many people because no one chooses to do that. So even if you, you know, no one is a perfect caregiver and none of us do everything exactly right, but you're choosing to be there. And so I think we need to own that and feel good about that. And that that comes, you know, we come to it with a more empowering feeling rather than a victimized feeling like, oh, I'm in this, this, I have to do this. I choose to do this and I'm doing the best that I can. That's got to be such a, a huge distinction right there. It, it really is because our mindset makes the biggest difference in this. We've seen research indicating, you know, if you feel like you didn't have a choice, you don't come through the experience as well. If you feel like a victim, we know that that mindset makes a difference in how you experience it and how you do after the experience is over as well. Yeah. Yeah. I have to, I mean, the, the responsibilities, the, the challenges of being a caregiver emotionally, physically, day in and day out, if, if, if you have a negative mindset, it will, I mean, that's, that's, that's going to really drain you and, 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 and zap you. Not that simply having a positive attitude about it will, you, you're, you're not going to experience that, but I have to, I have to imagine that, that just to your point has such a huge impact on the overall experience as to whether or not it's going to be one that you come out of to your point afterwards being, being a, he- a healthy person, or if not, that will probably have a negative impact for the rest of your life, potentially. Yes, it really can. And, you know, it, it's, it's a struggle a lot of the times to, to ha- control that attitude. I mean, one of the biggest problems when you're caregiving is that you're just exhausting. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you, you're trying to, to juggle so many different things. You've got, 
your the people that you're taking care of. You've got other family members who may be relying on you. You've got your own work. 60% of family caregivers are working at the same time. Um, you're struggling with that. You are trying to take care of yourself. That whole self-care aspect keeps getting pushed to the bottom, to the bottom. Many of us deal with their own. I have fibromyalgia. I've had it for since I was in my 20s. So I have a chronic health issue that I try to manage while I'm taking care of everyone else. Many, many people have things like this. And many of us, like I did, have more than one person we're taking care of at a time. And, you know, one's in a crisis and another's in a crisis, or they're both in a crisis at the same time. I was talking with a caregiver the other day who's both of her parents were in the hospital. And thankfully, she got them in the same hospital, but they were on different floors and she was going back and forth. And, you know, it's just exhausting. So in the middle of all that, you know, when when we are exhausted, it's very difficult to cope. It really robs us of our 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 coping abilities. And, you know, it it's, has to be such a conscious effort to maintain that positive outlook. And, um, and, you know, it's not, I'm not talking about being a Pollyanna. I'm not saying that, oh, every, everything that happens is going to be great. It's more just that basic knowledge that, you know, I'm doing my best just being there. You know, I, I had to change my view of success. I, I realized that I was feeling like a fel- failure every time my mom had another fall. My dad, my mom had a terrible fall and fractured her spine eventually and had to, go through rehab and had C. diff in the hospital and had a heart attack and congestive heart failure and pneumonia and just horrible, horrible for her. 40 days in the hospital. I was with her all the time, three months in rehab. Well, so every fall I was afraid that was, you know, that was a risk. And so I tried to prevent everything. And and I remember feeling that way one day, you know, she, she had had a fall that she didn't hurt herself, thankfully, but I'm terrified she would, you know, and I realized I had to change my view of success. My su- success could not be preventing everything or curing Alzheimer's or, you know, doing those things because there are things I cannot control. Instead, I changed my view of success and made that, realized that, that was ju- it was just being there. The one thing I knew I could do 100% was not give up on my parents, uh, to be there for them and do my best and walk alongside them and give them all that I can give them. And I knew I could do that. And I realized that that really is success. So those waves are going to come down, they knock you down and you get back up and that getting back up is success. That resilience as a caregiver is success. Yeah, that certainly makes sense to me. In terms of, of doing your best to make sure that you are taking care of yourself, that, that you are practicing self-care. Do you have a, a, a best practice there? Is it scheduling it in? It, just to tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, yes. So ta- taking care of ourselves, um, we tend to look at it two ways. One, in that there just isn't enough time. Mm-hmm. And two, our loved ones are more vulnerable than we are. Mm-hmm. And so those are two of the reasons why we put ourselves down at the bottom of the list. And 
in, in reality, caregiver, as caregivers, we are extremely, extremely vulnerable. It's, um, it's just a well-known uh, fact that, you know, your health can be at, more at risk. The more stress you're under, obviously, there are, there are health uh, effects. And we have to remember if something happens to me, how am I going to take care of someone else? So I'll tell you what I did, and this is this is a true story. What happened with me? I was, you know, feeling depleted all the time and running, running, running. And I went. I one day I forgot. You know, the the gas tank in my car got almost empty. You know, it was just on fumes. And I pulled into the gas station, and you, everyone knows that feeling, like, oh, please don't let me run out of gas. <laughs> For sure. And I pulled in there, and I. I made it and I, the car didn't break down before I got there and I filled the tank up with gas. And as I pulled out of the station and started driving, I thought, you know, it's so interesting. The car actually runs better on a full tank of gas. And it was one of those kind of duh moments, you know, <laughs> but it was also my aha moment because I realized not only was I running on fumes all the time, I was expecting myself to run on empty and be just as efficient uh, and, and get everything done and, and prevent everything and check everything off my list. And I'm running on empty all the time. And I, you know, it, it just gave me this analogy that was very practical. I realized that it wasn't a selfish thing to take care of myself. It was literally a practical thing like putting gas in my tank. So I started envisioning that and thinking about, okay, what fills me up? And I, I look at it, and there are four kind of categories. One is the quick fill-ups. And honestly, George, that's mostly what people have. Most of us don't have time for much more than that. Sure. But what are the little quick things that fill you up? And it might be pausing and, to get a, and making a nice good cup of coffee. Or for me, uh, giving my dad a hug or my mom or um, taking time to to pet the dog, or I always try to have fresh flowers in the house. It was something my dad had done for my mom because it filled her up. So I continued that. Um, you know, li- what are the little things? Sometimes I just do some jumping jacks, you know, sure. and get a little energy going. Um, and then there are the premium fill-ups, and you have to schedule those, just what you said. You have to schedule these or they will not happen. So it morning I take a walk or it might be for me I Pilates once a week Um, some people it's like I have to uh, take an afternoon and do a round of golf uh, once a month or um, it might be going out to dinner with friends for me a lot of those premium fill-ups are things that you do while you're caregiving so it might be um, I had a, a tradition with my parents we had fun Friday adventures so every Friday mom would get her hair done and then we would go out to eat or we'd go to the mall and walk around or just some kind of an adventure, you know, go someplace different. Uh, you know, things that fill us up at the same time as our loved ones. It might be watching a movie with them. We watched a lot of musicals, George. My dad loved music. Nice. And, you know, those things filled me up, too. And then you have to have your tune-ups, which is the hardest part. It's time away from caring you don't, you're not caring for anyone. You're not take, you know, leaving your husband with someone else so you can go take care of your grandchildren for a week. It's time away from caring for others. 
And, you know, that's really hard for people to do. I tried to do it at least once a year. And my boyfriend and my best friend were so great about helping me with that, arranging that for me, um, taking me on a trip or doing something like that. Uh, and, you know, but that's that's hard for people to do. And that's where respite care comes in. Sometimes you have to have your loved ones go to a facility for a week so you can get that break. Maybe it's a staycation and you just stay home. Uh, or you pay for some help for just a week, you know, that you figure out how you can get that time away. And then last and probably most important are just those ongoing, um, you know, the, the routine maintenance, the things that you have to do, like in your car, you know, you fill the oil when it needs the oil, you keep putting gas in. Sure. For us, routine maintenance, number one is sleep. Because as we said, when you're exhausted, it robs you of your ability to cope. Mm -hmm. So prioritizing sleep above all else, um, trying to do things that, you know, I got a video camera in my parents' bedroom so that I could see if they were trying to get out of bed or if they were just rolling over in bed. And I didn't have to jump out of bed and go, go look when I heard them on the, on the audio monitor. I uh, had a motion sensor in the wall. I even got a floor mat alarm. So if my dad put his feet down on the ground getting out of bed, that went off too. So <laughs> with multiple things, then I knew I could sleep. So technology can be really, really helpful there yeah. too. And then, you know, your doctor's appointments and eating well and exercising and, um, you know, whatever routine maintenance is for you. You know, everyone has those things and, and we all know what fills us up the most. Got it. I think that those are, that's that's a, a wonderful way to think about it and a wonderful four things that I think anybody can take away and hopefully put into practice. So mm-hmm. that, that, that's, it's very that's, practical. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and where would you direct people to uh, to, to learn more about what we've been talking about? Well, my first uh, place I want to send people to is aarp.org slash caregiving, and that's the AARP Family Caregiving site. There are articles and tools, and um, there's an online community. There is, uh, I, I have a column on the site. We have lots of experts. We have just about any aspect of caregiving from legal and financial to the basics and housing and living situation. And they also have a wonderful prepare to care guide that is free that you can either download from the website or, um, or you can print it out. And you can get that again from that site or you can go straight to aarp.org slash uh, prepare to care. And there's also a military family caregivers version of that. Uh, you know, if you're caring for a loved one who is a veteran, absolutely avail yourself of the support of the VA. Um, Veterans Affairs has a lot of of caregiver support as well as support uh, for the veterans themselves. My dad had aid and attendance cash benefits and then later health care and home health care. So that's something very important. You can go to aarp.org slash veterans for more information there. One of the things I'm really excited about, George, is I'm moderating uh, AARP's Facebook caregiving group. And if you go on Facebook, you can just look for um, AARP Family Caregivers, and you'll 
find that group. And we have a couple thousand people in there now and lots of support for each other. And everyone posts questions or just a need to vent or, you know, ways to help problem solve. So I really encourage people to go there. And then, of course, my book, um, Juggling Life, Work, and Caregiving, is available on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble. And uh, I cover all these things in my book uh, as well. So lots of of resources there. You can find me at amygoyer.com. And I'm on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. And everything is Amy Goyer. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Amy your appreciation. Share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to aarp.org slash caregiving for all the resources there. Go to amygoyer.com. Learn more about her. Get a copy of Juggling Life um, Work Caregiving at Amazon, and I will list all of those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Amy. Thank you for having me. Everybody take care. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.